Hey, it's Jeff and Jeremy from the Ultra Running Guys. And if you're here, you probably already know that we started this podcast to help you take your next step in your ultra running journey. But what you may not know is that in addition to this podcast, we also host two live races in the Wilmington, North Carolina area that are designed to do the same. Yep. The first is the Hydra, which takes place on April 20th and has a 50K individual, a 50K relay, and a half marathon option. Whatever option you choose, we promise that slaying the Hydra will be unlike any race that you've ever experienced. And the second is the final countdown, which takes place on September 14th. And whether you've never run before or you're a hardcore ultra veteran, this race is designed to help you find your limits. And we will be there with you to help celebrate. All right, so mark your calendars, share with your friends, and visit us at our website, theultrarunningguys.com. Or check out the links in the show notes for more info. And with that, enjoy the episode. And remember, when in doubt, just show up. And welcome back to the Ultra Running Guys. You got Jeremy Reynolds and Jeff Winchester of the Ultra Running Guys. And the reason that we're here is to help you take your next step in your ultra running journey. If it's your first time plugging in with us, welcome. We appreciate you. Hit the like, the subscribe, all that good stuff. Share with your friends if you're finding the value. And if you're back for more, your family, we absolutely love you. Well, here's the thing. We started this podcast a few years ago. And a few months ago, we decided to help you take your next step in your ultra running journey you need to know what that step looks like. So we started this race spotlight series and it's been a whole lot of fun. And you're going to see in this one, being from North Carolina, it's special to us. But Jeff, why don't you tell us what we're getting into tonight? You see, I thought we were going to talk about a vacation destination (laughs) race instead. But seriously, Doug, we are are talking about a race that is tried and true to us. It's nearby to us. It is um, located in the Outer Banks of North Carolina and it is a home to four different islands in 12 coastal towns. And so if you've never been to the Outer Banks, it is a on the barrier islands of North Carolina and it will span the entire coast. So just a little bit more, um, to make it better, they are the home of a 100 mile race known as the Blackbeard's Revenge 100. It is a point to point race that takes runners the full length of the Outer Banks from up north in Corolla down south to Hatteras. And the course is 100% paved with absolutely stunning views along the way. You excited? I am. I can't wait to go on vacation with the Blackbeard folks. So no more waiting. Let's get into it. Um, Joining us today is Priscilla Nobles and Richard Swore, the race directors for Blackbeard's 100. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Well, look, we're excited about this. We've had a handful of guests that have actually talked about this race on your show. And uh, teaser, we've got a future guest coming up that uh, just did very, very well. She won past year, yeah, we'll winner. So, so anybody can look that up. But, but right. here's the thing: it, this show really is designed if somebody's listening to tactically know, hey, what should they know about your race, right? See if it's a good fit for them, and also if they're coming, what are the things that that are important to hear about? So we're going to go through that kind of stuff. But one of the things we kind of love to know up front is, as the race directors. What is your favorite thing about the Blackbeard's Revenge? So it, it's funny. You guys uh, promote or uh, intro this as like a vacation destination. And so you would think that it would be the weather, but the weather is probably my least favorite thing about this race at that time of year. It is absolutely, it's one of the challenges of this race. And one of the more fun parts is the weather switches on no notice. And it's, uh, it's always interesting. It can be great or it can be horrible, but um for me, uh, I've been biking and running the Outer Banks for decades and just bringing other people to that location. And we have a lot of beginners, a lot of people who have never done it before, seeing them accomplish something for the first time. And a lot of times it's athletes we've known for decades who never thought they would do a 100K or a 100 miler. 
Um, but to see people out there uh, just breaking down their barriers and, 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 and that's always the best for me. Uh, that's, that's me. That's my, my top for sure. Awesome. How about you, Priscilla? Priscilla? Um, I will say my favorite is similar to that. Um, I like to find those people that I can just tell are working so hard and that just need that encouragement. And I just kind of follow them down the line. Um, so I, Rich knows I followed one lady for like 60 miles and I was like, okay, I just go aid station to aid station and I would meet her there along the way. And it was my turn to take a rest. And so Rich called me and he said, somebody's at the finish line and they had to talk to you right now. And so I got to video call her and talk to her when she crossed the finish line. So mine is being with my athletes down the way. Um, and what a cool place to do that. Fantastic. We're huge on community. It sounds like that's a big piece for you both kind of the connection yeah. with the runners. It's a unique, I don't, I don't know if it's so unique, but we get a lot of, you know, pretty, pretty high end ultra runners. Lee Whitaker's win, wins it most years and he, you know, doesn't slow down even for a second through each aid station. Uh, but at the same token, at the same start line, we get people dressed up as pirates running for, you know, 30 hours, um, literally totally decked out in pirate gear carrying fake swords and stuff and just just enjoying the 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 the, the weekend um so it's cool to see those at different ends of the spectrum both sharing the start line and having a good time and usually sharing uh you know a drink or something afterwards you want to guess that that's charlotte too don't you i was gonna say i'm sure charlotte couriers has been there in costume yep. <laughs> getting, getting it done the marathon costume chick is uh, i think what her name is <laughs> Well, so so let's get this. We got a little bit of taste of this kind of before we were talking, but why don't you tell the listeners, how long has the race been around? And then on top of that, why do you think it is that you just mentioned Lee? Why do you think it is that people keep coming back? So um, I'll start out. I We've been producing the race since 2019, but uh, I would say there's a legacy event before us. There was a race director who used to produce the Graveyard 100. Same course. Um, not necessarily the same philosophy. We, we have a lot more aid stations and, um, not bad or good. We just, just slightly different races. Um, and that's kind of how we got into it. Um, when that race no longer existed, I was a coach and we, I had several athletes who really wanted to do the race. Some that were already training for it. And, you know, a couple years down the line, we just kind of got the idea that we, this is a place we love. We, I had, I had family who owned, who lived on the outer banks uh, long before it was a tourist place. We visit there all the time and we decided, you know, not only is it a place we know and love, but we have athletes already that want to do this and we wanted to see them accomplish it. So actually the first year we did it, um, one of my athletes who had been in a, a horrific car accident, lost his heel, had five vertebrae in his back, um, fused, wasn't supposed to walk again. Um, he raced it and completed the hundred mile. And that, that was, I mean, part of that is the, the main, I mean, you, you guys should talk to John sometime, but it was part of that was the, um, the experience for me was getting him across that finish line. Cause that was one of his goals. But, uh, yeah. So it's been around for us since 2019. Lost his heel. Yeah. I was, yeah. I that was went through this. That went through the brake pedal. That's how he was a drunk driver, hit him on his way to a triathlon. Oh my gosh. Wow. All right. We could definitely get wrapped up there, but we're not. We're going to keep yeah, it. We'll, we'll move forward. <laughs> Focus, yeah. We're going to keep moving forward. That's right. <laughs> ah. 
I want to talk all about it. Okay, so for everybody listening, we just heard some, you know, one, you talked about the weather can be kind of unpredictable. It sounds like it's in a beautiful area, but why should somebody consider running this race? Priscilla, why don't you go first and I can I can fill in. Um, so I will start with I'm not an ultra runner. I'm getting there, but like um, the thought of it, blows my mind the people that I see just like completely blow my mind um for for some people I, I think when I think ultra I think trail and it's not trail so it's paved so I feel like it's a good for the people who really love the road it's straightforward it's flat um those can be great for some people and those can not be so great for some people um it is when I think I think it's beginner friendly because every five to eight miles, you have an aid station. You're always going to see someone. We are constantly driving down the road. I can't tell you how many times we stop on the side of the road and just talk to every single person, especially at night. Like, you okay? All right, great. I'll drive to the next person. Just, I know how well it's supported. So to anyone, especially beginner who's kind of scared to take the step, I say, you're going to be so supported and so well taken care of. Why not? Mm -hmm. That's great feedback. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and I, I agree with Priscilla on a lot of that. We're, our, our goal is the athletes the entire time. Um, we want to see you finish as much as you want to see you finish. And so we have 10 staff on race day and their entire job is not even to be at aid stations, but to float around and check on athletes that's beyond the volunteers at the aid stations and at the finish line. And we're constantly revamping with feedback from athletes constantly modifying aid stations, adding to that and trying to make them, um, them better, make the course better. Um, it has a very, um, lenient cutoff time again, trying to make the race accessible, um, and, and, and good for everyone with, a um, with a five thirty uh, start and a one finish, one thirty PM the next day finish. We're, we're trying to make it. So everyone has that opportunity to do that race. And we also, one of the main reasons we have the hundred K besides making another opportunity to race this race without being ready for the hundred is it adds people to the course. So it's not as lonely out there. Um, it's an opportunity to see something you don't get to see much. Um, and I, I think, I don't know. I, I guess Priscilla's on the right uh, is, 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 in, is, is right. It's, it's mostly about that. Uh, that it's it's well well taken athletes are well taken care of in this yeah i think it's good that you guys have, have both mentioned the idea of how <clears throat> it's athlete centric and how you're you're focusing on taking care of the athletes because if i'm running this event or somebody who's considering running the event to kind of first hear that it's point to point paved road you know from one end of the outer banks to the other end 100 miles is an easy easy way to get separated from a lot of people and to hear that you guys um you have uh, you you two are the race directors there's also two other additional race directors so there's four race directors that rotate through the event that are driving up and down the road really to make sure runners in between are being supported as well so i think it's it's good to hear that for those who are concerned about a a point-to-point -point type hunter because it is rare most hunters are some sort of loop course and everything and so it's a little bit more contained um this is pretty spread out um, the other thing, though, I do want to switch over a little bit. We've talked about it a couple of times or mentioned it is the um, the weather. And um, it is important because, I, you know, I've been to the Outer Banks a couple of times when it has been February, March time frame. I've been to Bald Head, which is a barrier island down here yep. the same time of year. Um, and I don't want to ruin it for you, but can you kind of give an idea of what the temperature extremes can be and even what the wind can be like and not just a gust, but like a headwind? Yeah, so um, we've had... 
the, the original reason we went south to north is that that or I'm sorry, north to south is that, that that time of year we're supposed to get a good tailwind for the majority of the race. And that's happened. Oh, I think twice out of all the years that we've out of the years we've produced it, we've gotten good side wind and headwind. And um, that just you just don't get you don't get a choice. And the, the problem is you're on barrier islands. There isn't anything between the ocean and you. You're if there's wind, there's wind. Mm -hmm. um, but. You know, in the in the morning, especially the last couple of years, been very peaceful, low wind, um, and you get kind of ahead of it a bit. This last year, we had a good amount of tailwind, which was great. Uh, but temperature extremes can be we've you know we started in the 30s, and we've definitely had 70s and humid, and that's you know a huge swing. And that's again as as director having four race directors, we like to be able to pivot quickly and have you know add ice towels to aid stations and things like that when we know it's going to be warm. So what's we're trying to make sure that the next, again, the next step, the next age, all you have to do is make it to the next aid station. You'll be taken care of again. But, you know, I give you the most extreme version of this. Um, I believe it was 2021. Uh, we had what was a beautiful day and the storms were not really supposed to get us. And uh, we got everyone basically over the bridge. We had one group that hadn't made it over the halfway bridge uh, last night. And a storm came through that was just treacherous, uh, like inches of rain an hour. And uh, at the finish line, there was a water spout. My wife called and said that there was crushed up seashells being rained down through the tent. When we got to the finish line, there was actually a layer of seashells, which was not supposed to be there. Um, and it was like that. That is, And then, you know, we got back to the race. We actually paused everyone for a few and tried to take them under shelters and brought them back to where they could be. We had everyone out everywhere but it 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 it's it's an ex there are weather extremes on the outer banks and they come out of nowhere so you really have to be prepared for anything um we tell athletes if you get out oh yeah i mean you know it wouldn't be a, an ultra if it was just easy and that like priscilla said flat doesn't mean easy you know resort town areas doesn't mean it's easy there are there are extremes and and difficulties in every race so, so here's a couple of takeaways for me is you mentioned it's beginner friendly because great support it's a flat course you got 32 hours if i did my math right i was trying to do math quick in my head right but 32 <laughs> yeah. hour cutoff um and it sounds like you know a good training strategy would be do a lot of treadmill miles and have a spouse or friend throw seashells and, uh, <laughs> you know water at, at you a minimum just turn just turn the fan on high blast once right. you start to get tired at the end so yeah but, but this is always, and you know, there's been a few races we've talked to, especially kind of in this spring time frame, right? Because a lot of us are coming from colder temperatures. Right. I mean, North Carolina, so you're in Michigan. I'm not going to talk to you about cold temperatures, right? But uh, yeah. But it can be, to your point, coming out of the cold and you may have something hot and you're not used to that. So I think that's just a point to take if you're listening, kind of know that, you know, it's almost expect the unexpected. And luckily you've got 32 hours to kind of deal with any situation that the course throws at you. And we have, we have four drop bags, three on the course and one at the aid station for the hundred mile. So the ability to change equipment as the temperature swings happen is, 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 a, is available. And obviously a lot of people are crewing the race anyways, but we do try to make sure that, you know, okay, the morning was cool and cold, but it's gonna, it's warming up. I need to drop this stuff. So, you know, having the additional drop bags, um, we're hoping helps out a lot of people. And that, again, if you're planning correctly, you should have the right stuff in those bags to, to help you get through. Um, yeah. 
So we just talked about a whole lot of stuff, but I'm interested. What do you think? Because so, so somebody may be listening and go, flat, got it, might be a little windy or something, but sounds like a pretty easy race. They'll take care of me. What do you think that runners could potentially underestimate about this race? Priscilla, I'll, I have two things. I'll let you go first so I don't steal yours. Um, one would be the humidity or heat. Um, Rich and I like are big preachers on um, not taking in enough salt. Like you can drink water all day, but we're going to take you off the course because you didn't take in enough salt. So um, no. I think, that, and, and that it, there's no shade. It is straight sun. Mm-hmm. You're in a hundred miles of, of sunshine. So how much the sun depletes you um, is really the heat in the sun for me, I think is what people don't understand that you are there all day in that. Real quick before we jump over to you, Rich. So are there recommendations for somebody coming? I mean, obviously I would imagine sunscreen hats, sunglasses, some things like that to kind of combat, but are there any tips that if somebody's listening, they should know maybe to prepare better for the sun? Um, between the sun and the salt and sand, lots of body glide or whatever their preferences of, um, non-chafing things. Um, sun. So we don't have sunscreen at our aid stations because we're like not allowed to do that, but our crew always has sunscreen in their car. So if you are in trouble and you're coming to our race, you're like, I'm scorching. All you have to do is flag us down and we will happily say, we're not supposed to do this as I <laughs> sunscreen you down. <laughs> I'll do whatever you need. No, um, no. I see a lot of SPF shirts, a lot of hats, mm-hmm. a lot of cold towels that people like the wrap towels that they covered their necks with. Um, lots of different things like that seem to work all in your tolerance of clothing and and what you like to wear. Good tips. There's also, and, and I agree, body glide, sunscreen, correct clothing. Also pacing. You know that you're going to have some some cooler hours in the morning, and then if you're going into the evening, which most of us will be into the night, you are going to have some cooler time there. It's knowing that all you have to do is get to that sundown, and you're going to get some relief and taking it easy. We get a lot of, so we, we do see a lot of hyponatremia and we do see a lot of uh, dehydration, more hyponatremia, like Priscilla was saying, than dehydration. But what we see more is just um, just mentally beat up. And we, we try to get to athletes and, you know, take 10 minutes. Don't, I'm, any, any, any seasoned ultra runner will tell you that if you can get, th- get through those 10 minutes of sorrow, you can probably keep going. And, and you're going to have a couple of those, those opportunities to test that on the race. But um you know, if you're pacing yourself well and you're keeping in mind that, you know, there's, it's a long day, but I can get through it. You'll see, you'll do better. Um, the two things I had, one is, is it's going along with that, with the mental end of it. Uh, if it's evening, you can see the, um, Hatteras lighthouse and you don't, you think, oh gosh, I'm, you know, I'm almost at Hatteras. This is great. I'm almost in Buxton when Hatteras is just around the corner and that lighthouse is still 20 plus miles away because it's dead flat and it's just this lighthouse in the distance and so mentally you it's hard to and you see you know one electric pole after another after another after another and at night the scenery doesn't change because it's just a white line you're following so mentally it's a very tough race um you know you're not doing the one mile loops so it's not seeing the same thing but it's also there are times there aren't there isn't much to see other than sand um and uh 
along that route, the thing that I think we, you know, we try to let people know when we do our pre-race athlete meetings, we do our virtual meetings in the months leading up and we, um, it's still a, a two lane highway road. Like in sometimes when the wind's not blowing, most of the time there's a good shoulder. And then sometimes the wind blows and you have to go out into traffic. It's not that busy. It's busy enough though, that you're going to get stressed out by some of those cars because it is a road there's in towns, there are sidewalks and greenways, but you know, in between towns, especially the, the um, second half of the race, there's less of that, which it's because it's more remote, but that's the part you got to be prepared for is just the, the frustration that we have, um, you know, signs out there for people saying, you know, race in progress. We have the big electronic billboard signs that say race in progress. And we, we do let people know ahead of time through d different media means that there's a race, but cars are cars and they're going to be out there. And it's, it's obviously an open course. I think it's great for people to know so that they can go in eyes kind of wide open with that's part of the experience. I wouldn't open them all the way unless you have the sunglasses that stand in the way <laughs> would be. I would, so, eyes slightly squinted. So let's assume that my wife is going to crew me for your race. Yeah. And you guys have talked about the fact that as race directors, you drive up and down the course um, and you check on runners as they're going. Are there rules for crew on accessing their the runners? Can they only do that at aid stations or are they doing that along the course? So they can access them at aid stations or along the course. They cannot, um, they can't pace them. So you, they can't sit there in a bike with a bike or a car and hand them gear while it's moving. They have to be in a stop position. Um, but there are, and there are certain places on the course, there are very few where they can't stop for them because we have certain We've gotten in, I mean, that's all in the athlete guide and the, in the, in the spectator guide, but the national park has said, no, you can't stop in this area, but it's, it's pretty well spelled out and very limited where that is. But again, we allow pacers from the very beginning. We allow a uh, crew to have access. Again, we're trying to make this as achievable as possible without literally, you know, you being in a vehicle being carried along. We want you to accomplish your goals and none of these things seem above and beyond. They just seem like what should be fair for someone uh, trying to do something crazy. I think it is really a very, it, I'm sorry. It is a, it's a really good race for, to have crew because every aid station has somewhere for them to park. If it's not at the aid station, it's close to the aid station. Um, we have a lot of people when the runners come in, like, can I help you? And I just run into my crew. Okie dokie. I'll just check you in. You go right to your car. Um, a lot of crew and, it's awesome to see because now I spent not just all day cheering for you, but I was cheering with your family. Now we're all invested uh, in, in you as a runner. So that, that awesome. it's really cool to watch because it's an awesome crewable race. That's great. So we've, we've kind of touched on, you mentioned the aid stations. Um, it sounds like they're not too far apart. You've got the drop bags that people can plan for. The crew is very accessible. Um, I think we've covered the majority of it, but what can somebody expect at an aid station. So if they come rolling up to an aid station, what what do you have? What do you offer? What do you not offer? Like what should people know there? Sure. So, um, and we, I'd say we've been learning this year in and year out. We try to meet with athletes. In fact, we'll have another athlete meeting where I ask them to review our aid stations and make sure that there's nothing wow. we're missing uh, because we're lucky enough that it's, you know, it's me and my wife that, that run the company and Priscilla and Becky who are, you know, you know, great race directors. We can change anything on a dime if it helps. We never take anything away, but we're willing to add. But every aid station will have water and tailwind and a port-a-potty. A port -a -potty. 
Um, we try to have something salty and something sweet at every single aid station. And depending on the weather changes, hot uh, or cold, depending on what's going to be more useful. So to give you an example, um, you know, aid station 11, I'm just looking at one, water, tailwind, Coke, ginger ale, quesadillas, cheese quesadillas, clementines, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, salt tablets, and Huma gels. Um, seven is water, tailwind, Coke and ginger ale, boiled potatoes and salt, raisins, fig bars, gummy bears, popcorn, salt tablets, and Huma gels. Uh, and just pick one more, uh, water, it's tailwind, like a Coke. Yeah. Which, so, <laughs> and, I, and I'll say this, it's not going to be the same as something like, um, Uari, where there's one eight, there's two aid stations and they have a, a, a chef out there. It's, and it's awesome. And you can just cook to order. Cause we have. 18 aid stations and it's point to point. We try to make sure there's some there's something for everybody and that we we have what everyone needs and we've tried to add to it every year as we learn more what the athletes are asking for. Um, but also it's available online uh, from the from the get go so they can plan accordingly, which I think is that's really important. Instead of just saying we see a lot of sites that say there's some of this stuff these this, these are the kinds of things you might see at some of the aid stations. We're going to say that this is at what's age, at what's at age station nine, and that means the athletes can train knowing that this food is available. And oh, this isn't available. I should have this in my drop bag at two because I know I'll I'll want this myself. That's kind of the goal. The goal with this is to make it hopefully everything you need. But if if not, it's you know ahead of time what we've got. That's fantastic because a lot of times it, it can be hit or miss. And so if you're listening, I think you just said something really important. If you really want it or need it then, you know, plan to have it yourself. However, you can look at the specific aid stations and know, and it sounds like, tell me if I'm right or wrong, but I would imagine if I think 18 aid stations on a hundred mile course, I could probably get away with handhelds if I didn't want to wear a pack all day uh, because it's, I'm not running 15 miles in between or something mm -hmm. like that. Fair to I say? would, I would say yes. Um, and I'll give you early on when we put on this race, I don't think our aid stations were as stocked or as visible. They, a lot of, we had similar stuff, but not as much. We've really beefed them up in the last couple of years, especially this year. And I, I think some athletes who went uh, uncrewed were, were struggling. Um, so we made a concerted effort over the last two years to really beef up aid stations and make sure that we, it's all, the information's always been available. We want to make sure that we push it to people so they can see it. And we still always ask people to tell us what we can add if there's something that they don't see. So you're going to see it. And I, I'll tell you this because of all the sand and wind, we've had to get creative because we're going to actually have right. pictures of the food on the table because we can't put all the food out there or else it just gets destroyed. So now we're, we, people are like, we, I didn't see much there. So we're actually going to place images of the food on the table so that it can be kept cold or warm and not sandy and also available uh, in case of those extremes, if they do happen. But that's, it, it's our A1 goal this year and last year to, to make that um a race that you can go station to station with a handheld and be okay. I like that idea. It's I, true. That kind of stuff would get sandy. It's a gritty grilled yeah. cheese. But, but I mean, I will, just, yeah. <laughs> well, I was just gonna say, I, I'm very impressed with, it sounds like your willingness to listen, make the changes and the fact of just putting the pictures out because people were missing out on opportunities because mm -hmm. they couldn't see it. Like, I don't think every race director would necessarily take the same action. Hopefully it would, but it says a lot about you guys. So it's a good idea. Yeah.
Well, at least two of your race directors for this race, and they're both on the video call, are neurotic and get really anxious and, and hate seeing <laughs> negative feedback. So this is kind of, it's yep. more for us than for the athletes. We just, we, we can't handle the negative. problem. I don't want to get yeah, that. Yeah, figure it real that. quick. We will fix um, it. So it's a lot of our friends and family doing the race. And the last, th so we get a lot of feedback anyways, but the last thing we want to see is somebody who, the last thing we see any of the races we produce is to hear that somebody didn't make it not because they weren't capable, but because they weren't, they weren't given enough direction or they weren't given enough aid or they weren't, they didn't get enough information prior to the race to, to make a good decision on what to do. So that's, uh, it, it's our community. We want to make sure that, that, that everyone's, you know, coming in ready to go and having the best possible experience. Love it. So, right, so I do everything for the food. So the one thing that I also do at the aid station is like coming up next, like we have aid station menu boards that we put the menu out, like before you get to the aid station. Oh, wow. So if you're bored as hell, you can read it on your way. <laughs> and um, I'll always tell them like in their aid station notes at the next aid station, there's going to be cheese quesadillas or meat sandwiches because we have like meat and cheese sandwiches or whatever so that they know, oh, in five miles, I get to run to a sloppy Joe like, in my <laughs> mind. That's what's most important. <laughs> I get to so, run to the next food. That sounds like the answer to to the mental challenges you were talking about earlier of just like seeing light poles instead yeah. of thinking about that quesadilla for the next five miles. <laughs> right. Exactly. What's the next? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I like the idea that as you're approaching an aid station, oh. however far out to be able to see what's available, like on a menu board. I know we're kind of laughing about it, but I've thought about being in a race before, like what am I going to do when I get to the aid station? What do I need to try to get? And to start knowing the options before I get there is fantastic. I wish that was, it's not our idea. This is again, an athlete suggested to us maybe five years ago with one of our other ultras. And we, now we do it with all the ultras we produce because it, it, like you said, it's laugh. It, it's something you can joke around about, but it is useful. It's very yeah. useful. It's one of the things we talk about on the show right. is have a plan going into an aid station, yeah. right? Because it's very easy to one waste time and two kind of mentally spin out of control, depending on what. So having that plan before you get in, it sounds like you're setting up your athletes very well to do that, at least from a nutrition standpoint. So yeah. that's awesome. Cool. Um, the race is going to be taking place on March 23rd, I believe, of this year. Is it always the third or fourth weekend of March? It is and until someone from one of the counties uh, or one of the cities, national parks, state parks tells us we can't. <laughs> and if anybody is still looking for a last minute 100 miler, because again, this is going to be coming out this upcoming weekend. It's only a couple months away. Maybe hard to pull that off, but um, are you still taking runners at this point? We're still taking runners, and we also, if you're willing to volunteer in an aid station, we're also giving away free entries because it, no one knows an ultra runner, what an ultra runner needs at, a at an aid station like an ultra runner. Awesome. So if they're listening and they want to volunteer, maybe run it in 2025, they could come volunteer this year and then run it in 2025. That's fantastic. See what the course is like. Yeah. Get it again. Yep. So. And you guys are on run sign up, correct? We are. So yes. uh, I'm assuming they're able to go there for volunteer information as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Correct. Yep. Okay. And we'll put all that information in the show notes. Yep. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, so one question, cause we haven't, we haven't mentioned it and it didn't come up in underestimating, but we've heard it from similar courses. Do people struggle with just how flat it is? Do you see runners getting worn out by the flat running? A lot of times people can underestimate that. Yes. I mean, the, the short answer is, I mean, the short and long answer is yes. They're just, it, it you can, you're using the same muscle groups over and over and over again. And the only breaks are when you go over a bridge and those are few and far between. So 
it, it takes special training to do a flat hundred miler. And that's when you see guys that run straight through the entire time um, and, and our guys and girls, uh, we've had overall female winners as well, but to see them go through and, you know, nonstop through an aid station and keep those legs churning like that, it takes, it means that they must have done some very specific uh, flat ground cement training to not wear down quickly. Or they live where we live. Cause that's all we have. <laughs> <laughs> true it's very flat here but i so think you it, should run that yeah i should i should <laughs> um, but i i think it's important and if, and if for everybody that's been listening for a long time they're probably like god we got it it's, it can be tough to run flat but this is where <laughs> we've talked a lot on episodes so you can go check it out um walk run intervals there's some definitely some tactics i think to tackle a flat course we don't need to go into it here but i just wanted to bring up that point that everybody says oh flat equals easy well, there can be challenges that come along with that as well. So right for that. Absolutely. That's it. That's what I got. Well, look, guys, this has been super exciting for us. And I think it's huge value to anybody that's listening that is, you know, looking for that run and is going to consider Blackbeard's Revenge. A lot of great information. Again, I'm really impressed with the intentionality mm -hmm. that you have for the runners, especially for somebody who may be taking on their first or, you know, isn't sure if they can do this. It sounds like a great opportunity then jump in and give it a shot i agree 100 so i'll say thank you to you guys but before we say bye i'll talk to our listeners and viewers thank you so much for taking the time again if you are finding the value just share with your friends that's how we grow we appreciate it so much we'll make sure all the links and everything are in the description so that you can get all the information but to both of you thank you so much for your time thank you happy running thank you so much all right we'll talk soon God. All right, listen, thank you so much. We recognize the fact that you are probably just hanging on just for a couple more minutes as you're finishing up your run. But really, we do want to give you a huge thank you for the constant support that you've shown us. We hear you and we feel you. And the best way for us to continue to grow is for you to share us with your friends. Tell them what you put in your ears when you're out there on a long run. Hit the like button, leave us a comment, um, leave a review, and give us some direct feedback on what you like about the show and also what you don't like. We're here to improve and do it for you. And it really means the world. And listen, if you would like to support financially, you can connect with us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the ultra running guys, or you can use the support link in the show notes. Any and all support goes directly back into growing the show and helping us get better at what we love to do, which is to serve all of you. And with that, finish up that run, get cleaned up and just show up. Clean. Clean. <laughs> <laughs>